0: We have a uh, an exciting passage today, a riveting uh, story told in all three of the Gospels. It's a uh, not not only one of the, a great passage, just because my oldest daughter happens to have her name from this passage, uh, Talitha or Talitha, uh, as the Aramaic would be pronounced. Um, but it, it's an incredible passage. If you ever are just feeling tired in the faith, like you feel like you cannot persevere, or you cannot go on, or if you feel incredibly lonely. Maybe God's compassion has run out. Maybe God is not with me. Maybe the hard things in my life are like this because God doesn't care for me. It's a great passage to go to. Or if you're feeling complacent, it's a great place to get an up-close-and-personal view of who Jesus truly is. And Mark wants to convince us through his whole gospel, who is this Jesus, the unexpected King? So today with a very simple sermon structure. We're just going to walk through the story and hopefully allow Mark's emphasis to surface. Uh, We will see that Jesus here is the king who wields his unmatched power with unbound compassion. These two characteristics of Christ really come to the surface here. We've been watching his power uh, throughout the book, uh, especially the last three scenes, these Intense moments where his power is on display. What we see is incredible compassion in this same passage uh, right here. And what a beautiful, wonderful mix. Uh, this is the type of God you want, who is incredibly powerful, unlimited in power, and unlimited in compassion. And that's what we'll see today. I will, we're just going to go through the passage. I'll make a lot of stops along the way. We'll try to fill in some gaps. And then we'll be through. So we'll begin verse 21. Verse uh, 21. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Pause there, just recap where we've just been. Uh, The last two days, you might remember, uh, Jesus was in the boat uh, on this very lake on his way over to Gentile territory for the first time in the book. And on his way over there, you might remember this great storm that had arisen and the disciples are terrified, they finally wake Jesus up, we're perishing, they say, and Jesus, by the word of his mouth, the storm is calmed. And remember, at the end of that scene, they were terrified, It said that they were full of fear of Christ, of who he was. Here they realize that the only one who can control the wind is God himself, and here he is right in the boat with us, and they're afraid. They're full of fear. And then we saw once he lands in Gentile territory, there he meets the other kingdom, the opposing kingdom of Satan. This is really what happens at the beginning of the book. Remember when Jesus comes and proclaims the kingdom of God, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Then he calls some disciples. The first thing that happens is a confrontation with uh, a demon-possessed man, right? This, because when Jesus is bringing the kingdom, the kingdom of Satan is going to oppose it. And so right when he gets into Gentile territory, the first thing he sees, the first person he meets, is a man possessed by a demon. And Jesus uh, shows incredible authority over him. This is another desperate situation. The people had tried to put shackles on the man. They could not control him. And he was a lost cause until Jesus showed up and cast out the demons. Remember what he did with the demons. Cast them into the pigs, 2,000 pigs, and they all go running off the side. And what happens with the people in, from the town? That same word of fear. They have fear of who Jesus is, his authority. But this time, they don't want to get more. They don't want to thirst for more to try to figure out who this man is. As the disciples, who is this man? They say, get away from us. This is very much the parables coming out. Remember the chapter before is Jesus teaching on the parables. Some, the word will go out to many. The word will fall on different types of soil. Some soil, they will reject it, and what they, little they have will be taken from them. He said some, will, it will come and bear fruit, and they will thirst for more. And so we're watching this unfold now through the next couple chapters. And so now it's time to go back. Uh, Jesus leaves. He's going back uh, to the other side of the lake, back to Israel once again. And you can just imagine what the disciples talked about on the way back. Perhaps, you know, for the first hundred yards or so, as they look off to the side, what do they see floating next to them? But carcasses of pigs. Right? I mean, 2,000 th- two pigs, that's a lot of pigs. They're just floating around, taking the boat right through them. And I, I, would, I would suspect that just keeps all these thoughts of the, the mighty power of Christ. Who is this man? I mean, they could talk all night about the things that they've seen. And perhaps they did. And so as they approach the shore, the anticipation no doubt arises. I mean, what are we going to see next? What is going to happen when we get back to Israel? So verse 22, Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. Now, if you think about the disciples getting off the boat with Jesus, the crowd starts coming around, and then all of a sudden it starts parting, because you hear this commotion from the the backside of the crowd, and and people are parting, and there he is. I mean, they probably know who this guy is. Jairus? He's one of the rulers of the synagogue. Now, through the book of Mark, remember, who, who are these guys, the, the, the leaders and the rulers of the synagogue? They don't like Jesus. At the end of cha- beginning of chapter 3, remember, uh, Jesus goes into the synagogue, and all their eyes are on Jesus. Remember what they're, they're trying to do? They're trying to trap him, to see if he'll heal this, this man with the withered hand, remember, on a Sabbath. And Jesus does it. And the end of that passage says, from that point forward, they tried to find a way to destroy him. So they, they know who this guy is. He's, he's been an, one who opposes Jesus. And he's coming forward, so you can feel a little bit of the tension. Whoa, okay, here he, we have another confrontation here. What are they going to do now? But the look on Jairus' face is, it's different today. There's, there's no gnashing of teeth going on there, no grinding of teeth. There's no anger on his face. That, 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 that's a look of desperation. That's a look of, full of anxiety. That, that's almost a look of, a, of a, a soldier from the opposing side coming with his comrade to the medic of the, other, of the opposing army, realizing he has no other hope. My, our only hope to, to help my buddy is, is, is that this medic from the opposing team would help us. I'm out of resources. And there's this angst on Jairus' face. As we continue, verse 22, his, here comes Jairus by name. And seeing Jesus, Jairus then falls at his feet and implores him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. You know, I'd, I'd love to talk to Jairus a couple decades later after this scene. Hear him tell the story. I'm sure that's still ripe in his heart and his mind. You have these moments throughout life where they just never leave you. I mean, what brought him from the place of opposing Jesus, and then being willing to take on the scorn that's going to come from his friend group, right? The other rulers and leaders of the synagogue, that he would now trade sides and go and and prostrate himself before Jesus and proclaim that he can help him? What brought him to that point? I don't know. But here it is. Realizing, I have nothing left i have no other hope for my daughter who's at the point of death and the way he phrases that it's not that she's just sick she is about to die i have nowhere else to go and maybe this man would help me i don't deserve it but maybe he would help me he's the only hope i have and perhaps there's actually some here today that are like jairus who have actually been on the opposing side of Jesus, you've been frustrated with God, you don't like God, you don't like your circumstances, and you've, you've really kind of held your fist up against God, and yet you're here today to hear the preaching of God's word. What would do that? I, re- I remember uh, when I was 21 or 22 or, or, or so in a Drunken state, uh, you know, in the wee hours of the morning. Literally raising my fist up towards the heavens. And I don't remember if I said it verbally or not, but I remember at least in my heart saying, I hate you. So that the, the, the life experiences that I felt like he was responsible for. I hate you. And yeah, what happened? Somehow I find myself... Going to services with a friend to hear the gospel proclaimed. And if that's you this morning or anything like that, there's this frustration towards God, you're in the right place. Jairus went to the right place. He's the only Jesus was the only one that could help him, and is the only one that's going to give compassion towards him. Because there, verse 24. Jesus went with him. And the great crowd began to follow him and thronged about him. And if you were in the crowd at that moment, you would feel, you would feel the urgency. You know, Darius is he's a respected man in the community. He's, he's well-known. He's got power. His daughter is about to die. Jesus is now going to heal him. Some people are probably just excited to see another event, another, another healing. And some no doubt want want the, the daughter to be healed. And so there's this excitement, this urgency in the crowd as as it says the throng, the crowd is thronging around Jesus. But then Mark, Mark changes the camera angle a little bit. So he kind of pulls back from Jairus. So you can kind of see the crowd kind of. All moving around Jesus and slowly moving towards Jairus' house. Jairus maybe goes through the crowd. And he's, come on, come on, come on. We got to go, we got to go, we got to go. And then all of a sudden, Mark changes the camera angle and he, he moves it ever so far away from the crowd until there she is right there. Filthy. It's the outcast woman. She's been in that place for over a decade now, 12 years. Dirty. She's one of the untouchables, literally one of the untouchables. Her disease of blood, socially, ceremonially, religiously, you cannot touch her. If you touch her, you are unclean. And so she's left out there, alone. And Mark now turns his attention to her. Verse 25, there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under the hand of many physicians and who had spent all that she had. And you know what? She was no better, but she rather grew worse. Twelve years of this, can you imagine having an ailment for 12 years? Some of you have had that. That is that is not easy, especially when there's no possible end in sight. I have a, a pastor friend I just met with him this this past week, whose uh, son will be 12 uh, this week. So he's, uh, or he'll be 13 this week. So he's actually 12. Um, who has some severe disabilities that uh, they've they've been to the top one of the top rated clinics uh, to try to get answers and still nothing there, there is no diagnosis he still cannot communicate 40 48 pounds at the age of 12 and that's that's what he will be he, there's no healing insight because they don't know what's wrong they don't know a cure And that's not easy. That is incredibly, incredibly difficult. Twelve years ago, I mean, our youngest wasn't even born. Some of you were in high school. Some of you were probably in grade school. Twelve years ago, 2011, and every day, she saw the, the looks of people pass by. She, she watched people move, move farther away on the road. Stay away from her. She watched parents pull their kids away from her. Nobody touch her. Stay away from her. Twelve years, day after day, an outcast. But then she heard the commotion about this man who had come into town and he, And Not long ago, he, he healed a paralytic. He, he was casting out demons. He took a man's withered hand and made it well again. Here's this man who's going around s- saying that he is the son of God. He's the true king of the universe, and he's ushering in the kingdom of God. And maybe, just, just maybe... can help and it just so happens that today in the crowd is this man this is the chance this is it and she spent everything she had she's got no other options today the mission is enacted but it's a dangerous mission because if she gets spotted going through the crowd she could be in big trouble I mean, everybody she touches is you know, unclean. But what what other option does she have? What's the worst that could happen to her? So, verse 27, she had heard the reports about Jesus, and she came up behind him in the crowd, and she touched his garment. You see, she had said, if... If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately, the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Now, I suppose I haven't watched the chosen supposedly. This scene's on here. i got, I got to watch this. Because I'd love to see someone else's imagination, what she does at this moment. How, how does she actually... Uh, I, I would think that she's excited, but how does she not get exposed to the crowd yet? Uh, because I can, I can tell you this. Like I would be going berserk. I have a friend who has been doing uh, cold showers every day. and uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to try this, so I, I gave it a, a shot. And I tell you what, when I got in... The shower and that cold water hit me. I could not contain it. The shock of the body is, oh, ah, 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 ah. it's just you—you uh, you can't help it. After about 15 seconds, it calms down. But that's your your guttural response. It just comes out. I su- it, I suspect when she felt that, she so she, she knew what he meant. She felt it something would come out of her. Now, thankfully the crowd is hustling and bustling and it's probably crazy already, so maybe it's just blending in with the other voices, but something would have come out of her. She just knew for the last 12 years she had been having this disease and now she's healed. Someone had the answer. Someone had the power. Like no other doctor had. This is the true healer, the true physician. In verse 36... Jesus, perceiving himself that power had gone out from him, he immediately stops. He turns about in the crowd and he said, Who touched my garments? His disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you? yet you're asking, who touched me? Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. This is, uh, I mean, just, you got to think of this scene here. This is, this is like being at Summerfest. And someone has having a heart attack on the other side of the, of the, of the grounds. And so they get the medics and the medics are on uh, r- running to the other side you got people trying to clear the way to get to the other side and then suddenly the medics stop and say hey did someone tap my shoulder I mean no I, I felt it who is who was it you, I mean you'd be like what, what, what are you somebody's dying over there we don't have time for this let's go let's go let's go so you can feel a little bit of the the frustration what are you what are you talking about plus everybody's touching you. It's not like one person touched you. Don't you see the crowd? Everybody's touching everybody. What are you talking about? But Jesus is going after something here. Now, we should note that uh, I don't don't read this as Jesus actually doesn't know who's touching him. I mean, we've just watched these these last two scenes especially that Jesus is God in the flesh. So it's not like he cognitively is unaware because he knows exactly who touched him him uh, what happened the way i read this is if you read like genesis chapter 3 right uh, sin enters into the garden what what does god do when he comes into the garden hey adam where are you obviously god knows exactly where adam is he's calling adam out so adam says well we heard we heard you come in the garden so we 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 covered ourselves we hid ourselves who told you that you were naked Did you eat of that tree that I told you not to eat of? God knows exactly what happened, right? He's he's calling Adam and Eve out. Come, confess, find restoration. So Jesus is is calling this woman out, which actually will will be helpful socially for her, but also for her her own faith. Come, come, my daughter. He's calling her out. Because she wanted to do this in secret, but Jesus is going to make this public. Verse 33, then, the woman, I mean, because who knows how long Jesus stood there. The, ten, the tension grows. Who was it? Who, where, is, where are you? The woman, knowing exactly what happened to her, she came in fear. Is the word same word for fear that we've seen in the, uh, the storm. Same word for fear of the people uh, in uh, the Gerasenes, uh, uh, fear of Jesus' power. It's the same word here. Uh, she came in fear and trembling, and fell down before him and told them the whole truth. Now you can try, you can try to picture this scene uh, too, because you got the whole crowd pressing around. They're 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 wanting to move Jesus, and then suddenly you hear the gasps. <laughs> move, move away. As she, this woman, slowly, finally starts inching towards Jesus. And the only way the the, the crowd knows this woman is she's the untouchable. Stay away from her. And they're gasping. How dare she come into the crowd? And she comes, fear no doubt of who Jesus is. She's coming before the one who has power that she's never seen. And yet also fear, I would think of she's putting herself on the chopping block I mean all it would take is one word for Jesus to say away from that she just touched me and there would be many people that would fully oblige so she comes in fear and trembling and says the whole truth that moment must have felt like an eternity as she waited, how is she going to respond to me? Verse 34, And he says to her, "Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, go be whole, and be healed of your disease." Daughter, you remember this, this whole passage start out, started out with Jairus pleading for his daughter. My daughter, my daughter, my little girl is dying. And here Jesus looks at this outcast, the untouchable. That's what you are to me. My daughter, my precious little girl. The tenderness coming out of Jesus It's almost unbelievable. Here here is the creator of all the universe. The one who spoke creation into being. The one who upholds the universe by the word of his power. And here he looks at this woman that everybody else forgot, that everyone else wanted to cast aside with deep, deep compassion. My daughter, go be whole. Go be free. Oh, this is great news, this passage right here. The fact that Jesus has this kind of power and this kind of passion to cross, cross uh, cultural boundaries that he shouldn't cross in the mind of the people, that Jesus has that kind of compassion and that kind of power, this is great news. These two realities are something that you want in God, that you need in God. Could you imagine if Jesus only had one of these? If Jesus was this compassionate and yet his power was much more limited, what would he be like then? Well, he'd be the nice guy. He'd be compassionate. He'd be gentle. But he might not actually be helpful. Right? There's, there's a lot of things in this world, actually, that being nice actually doesn't help you that much in terms of success. Like driving around Chicago right? You can be a really nice driver, you're going to get demolished, right? <laughs> it's not going to help you much. I have a, a, a friend, we were working on putting together a, a, a softball team for a tournament recently, and uh, I, was, I was just trying to get it started, and I had some ideas of, 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 to do the team, and he just, he said to me, he said, you know, I have, I see a correlation between being a nice coach and winning, if you're a nice coach, you don't win. It's just, it's just the way it is. <laughs> but you think of athletics. Think of a nice boxer. Probably not going to win, right? There, there's, there's something. It's, it's, it's hard to put some of these together. Sometimes we see it in politics. The nice politicians. Where do you, do you ever see them on the news? No, because most of them lost, right? Here we see Jesus with. Full compassion and yet full authority. What if he had full authority but lacked compassion? Well, that would be terrifying. Especially for people like you and I who are weak, who fail. That would be incredibly terrifying. Where would we go? In fact, you probably know some people, have had them in your life, who are very powerful but lack compassion. Eventually you find yourself moving away from them because they're not safe. All it takes is crossing them once. And you're the next one to be shunned by them. They'll make your life miserable. But here, here we have the Lord Jesus full of compassion, full of power. Oh, and I wonder how that statement from Jesus went down to the soul of that woman. Daughter, go in peace. I don't know if you've ever been pulled over for a traffic violation or something. Don't, Don't say if you have. All right, I, it was a couple of years ago, I remember it being pulled over. And uh, it was, the, the cop told me exactly what I did. He was totally right. I wasn't paying attention, I did it. And then you have this moment where he's like, okay, give, uh, I just need your license, your registration, and I'll be back. And so now you sit and wait. Uh then you're calculating the whole time, right? How much is this going to cost? The fine plus insurance. What am I going to tell my wife? <laughs> this, is a, this is a costly mistake. And then when he comes back, he says, here's your license reg- registration. Be safe tonight. Have a good night. I'm free? I can go? I mean, and that's just a little traffic violation. Here... Here's this woman before the God of the universe who has the the unclean touched the clean who all of society would condemn at this moment looks at her and says, My daughter, you're free. Go and be full, whole again. Oh, I'm sure that went down deep in her soul. Now we still have another problem in the passage though. Verse 35, Mark, Mark has spent now a long time on this woman. Meanwhile, Jairus is, he might have kept still walking Or he's, Come on, people, let's go. And sure enough, though, verse 35, while Jesus is still speaking to the woman, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your, your daughter's dead. Why, why trouble the teacher any further? But Jesus, overhearing what they said to Jairus, said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only belief. Here, here's our word again, fear, the same fear. What I understand Mark's doing here is Jairus now has that fear that other people had had of Jesus' power, and that fear is being placed on the situation, the circumstance, the death of his daughter. And Jesus saying, don't, don't fear that. Believe, which I understand him to be saying, take that fear and put it in me. Put your trust in me as the one who can do something, Jairus. You saw what I just did. Don't fear that, Jairus. Fear me. Come underneath me. Believe. And here Jesus is, is calling out Jairus now to make an incredible walk and public demonstration of faith in Christ. Verse 37, Jesus goes on, but he doesn't allow anyone else to follow except for Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And Jesus, as he's arriving, sees a commotion, as people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but she is sleeping. So here we... We we see this this people gathered. This these would be the professional mourners in this culture. If if you if was something worth mourning or grieving, you 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 brought in the professionals. This was a way of externally demonstrating that there's sorrow in this house. And so these are you would pay them. They would come show up at the house and they would they would do these chants. And typically they would have the the leader of a dance like in the middle, and everybody's going around and they kind of in this rhythm, and you kind of weeping and wailing and demonstrating to everybody in the community that there's great sorrow and grief here now they're professionals they 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 look at a dead person they can tell when they're dead they you know they, they can come and say yep they're dead All right so they know what's going on and jesus walks in and says, well, what's this about now you might think she's dead she's not dead to me i'm not i'm not i'm not going to let her enter into the the death state that you th- you think she's going to. I, To me, she's, she's as if she's sleeping. Because I'm going to bring her right out of that. And she will walk again. And to them, that's comical. Nobody has that kind of power. Here we have the parables again. That which little they have will be taken from them. And it will be given to those who receive it. So Jesus leaves them out. Verse 40 and they laughed at him but he put them all outside and he took the child's father and the mother and those who were with him who would be Peter, James, and John and they went, he went in where the child was and taking her by the hand which again would make Jesus unclean taking her by the hand said to her Talitha Kumi which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. Now again, this is the, the tenderness here is breathtaking. Uh, it's, uh, again, like this, this girl's dead. Jesus would be made unclean by touching a, a dead body. But there he goes, and it's just there, and he grabs it. And then he uses this term of endearment. This precious little girl, get up. And immediately, the girl got up and she began walking. It wasn't like she was groggy and kind of just waking up. She said, bam, she gets up. For she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. Now, in the original, uh, Mark uses three uh, three words or phrases to try to just pile on the amazement. It would be like saying they were greatly, overwhelmingly astonished, deeply amazed. It's just piling it on. They just could not believe what they just saw. (laughs) It was perfect timing. This was, you know, we just had the elder retreat that Sam talked about. Uh, we were, uh, Sam and Joby and I, we were out playing some late night basketball in the gym, and uh, we we also had a kickball out there, and uh, we were trying to pack up. So I took the kickball and I kicked it across the gym, and it, like nobody was watching, but it went straight in the hoop. I mean, I went berserk because, like, what are the odds of that? That was incredible. I was so excited, I was sad that nobody saw it, but it was amazing. Now, what are the odds of kicking a kickball like that and having it go straight into the hoop? Now, the odds aren't good, but there are odds. You can do it, you know? You do it a couple thousand more times and you'll make it again. What are the odds that today you go up to a dead person and touch it and it comes back to life? Zero, right? You can try it. But it won't happen. This power on display amazes them, and Mark just piles it on. They're, they're, they're confused with amazement. What just happened? Who is this man? Now, if you saw that, what do you think your response would be, and where would you go? Surely, we'd probably go straight to Facebook. Take a picture. <laughs> Let's catch this. do that again, reenact it. We'll catch it on video, post it on YouTube. We got to get this information out. The world's got to hear. We got to go tell everybody. Which is why the next line is it's just so strange. Jesus strictly, strictly charged them that no one should know about this. And he told them to give her something to eat. I mean, the humility is almost uncomfortable of what Jesus is telling them to do. But that's the way of the kingdom. It's not about getting more fans, more people hear about you. What a scene. What a scene. I, I wonder how this landed on the first audience. You know, Mark, Mark doesn't give any sort of a call to his audience do this, but you can hear it oozing from the, from the passage. I think it's very simple. Come to this one. Embrace this Christ. This is who Christ is. The one with unlimited power and unbelievable compassion. Come. Embrace him. The one who spoke the universe into being, spoke life into that woman, spoke life into that d- dead girl, and speaks life into people day by day as we live. Come. Come underneath him. Come. here. The the phrase to your soul, my child, be healed. My child, go in peace. My daughter, my son, go in peace. Oh, what would life be like if we embraced this Christ? How the fears of life would melt, wouldn't they? We would hear Jesus say to us, do not fear. Do not fear that. Only believe Believe who I am, who I've claimed to be, who I've demonstrated to be. Do not fear that. Do not fear the world. Do not fear tomorrow. Do not fear all that you dread about next week. Belief. Now remember, the first audience is a mixed crowd. We have some churches, most likely, who are in, experiencing incredible uh, pressure. And they need to hear about this Christ, the one who has ultimate authority, that he's in full control. And even if it's not going their way, if they are not healed on this side of glory, it's not because Jesus lacks compassion. Oh, this is the one with absolute compassion. And he has absolute authority. And some churches were complacent. The church of Ephesus, the church of Laodicea. And they need to hear, no, you are not just worshiping a, a nice guy, a, a guy with a little bit of power. This is the God of the universe who calls you into his kingdom to go and be people of the kingdom. Oh, this is great news for us. But with that, we we need to turn to the Lord's Supper. Where else do we see this wonderful reality of God's power and compassion on display but at the cross in the empty tomb? Jesus coming out of the grave demonstrates Jesus' power over death ultimately. In a resurrected body, which he will give all of God's people, the power of God to destroy sin and the curse of sin. And the compassion God showed, demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, the compassion that Christ has for his failing people. And if that's you here today, if you are a follower of Jesus, proclaim him as the king. We invite you to the t- table this morning, provided you are striving to walk in repentant faith. doesn't mean that you are perfect or have everything correct, uh, but that you are looking in repentant faith to Christ. Uh, Then we invite you to the table. If you're here this morning and you are not a proclaimer of Christ, you do not worship him as this Christ, the one of ultimate compassion, the ultimate authority, uh, then we ask that you not partake of the table this morning. But if you're here as one of a a follower of Jesus, walking in repentant faith, We invite you to come.